0: Anyone's Game Podcast. Following women's football.
1: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Anyone's Game Podcast. My name's Robbie Hanratti and today I'm delighted to be joined by Glasgow City's SWPL title winner and Scotland international Hayley Lauder, as well as Anyone's Game pundit, Peter Quinn. Thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: I'm all good, thank you. How are you then.
1: Yeah, very well, thanks. All the better for having you on the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hope I live up to it.
1: For now, as we always do here on the Anyone's Game podcast, we'll begin with our getting to know you questions. Are you ready for these, Hayley?
0: Yeah, ready to rock.
1: So, first of all, where are you from originally?
0: Um, I'm from Livingston, yeah. So I I played all my youth careers through there.
1: A West Lothian quine. That's me. How did you get into playing football in the first place, growing up in Livingston?
0: Um, I really just played it in the street, to be honest, with um, a lot of friends. And then I, I first joined um, Euriston United. That was a local uh, girls team when I was maybe 14. But yeah, I just played at school and stuff. I just absolutely loved it.
2: I've got to ask as well, just early in your career, obviously, you moved a bit through Europe, playing in, in Cyprus and Finland and Sweden. What was it that drew you away uh, to go and play overseas?
0: Um I just wanted to experience that side of it. I could also play professionally, um, which was, wasn't something that was available in the domestic league at the time. And I just kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to make a good go of it. And um, and also you get to travel and see a bit of the world. And I was young and I just that's just what I fancied. So I just went for it.
1: I don't blame you whatsoever. It sounds great but I I did wonder that if it was the professional side of things because obviously we'll touch on this soon but the growth of the game in Scotland nowadays you can maybe make a career being professional but before players like yourself would have had to go abroad.
0: Yeah no that was the case that was the reality of it Um, like the clubs were always Anna Senior she was always pushing the clubs to train more train harder and they were getting more professional in their behaviours but um, I was still at university and then when I finished that I just wanted to make a go of it and first went to Cyprus, that was a, quite a short stint, um, but after that I just had a, a taste for it and yeah, never looked back after that.
1: Well, wow, that's fascinating. You can really tell that you've had an illustrious career between your early days abroad to the last six years at Glasgow City, winning your most recent title, I think you're sixth at the club, but what would you say is your biggest achievement in football so far?
0: Um, I I look more at the team side of things so like being part of the Scotland squad that got to the Euros in the World Cup um, but I think getting my 100th cap at the World Cup um, that's something that I look back on and I'm really proud of internationally and then also I think just that last season with Glasgow City um, the year before when we got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League again um, that is massive um, for the club and yeah I'd say definitely my 100th cap and then uh, the quarterfinals of the Champions League Uh, club level
1: that must be amazing you brought up that two points in there in my notes so we'll come back to that hundredth cap moment and the champions league very shortly but the final question is your all-time five-a-side team this can be a current teammates players you played with or perhaps played against or admired and you can be in it if you want
0: yeah i'm definitely going in it because i love playing with these players um so in goals i've gone for lee alexander i've played with some amazing goalkeepers gemma shannon but I think like last year, Lee just went to another level. And so I've got her in and she thinks she's quite a baller as well. Like she tries tricks and stuff at training. Some work, some don't. But she's in the net. I've gone with Erin Cuthbert because she's just, yeah, the ball at her feet. She's just unreal. Um, she's a warrior as well. If you're in a battle, you want to take Erin with you. I've gone for Caroline Weir because, yeah, she's just classy.
1: She's the woman, Archie gamble, is what I say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: honestly like I just obviously she's a teammate and a friend but um I mean when I've been on the bench and things like that for Scotland and you're just sitting watching her like you you can't help but like just you should just have a player cam on her um she's phenomenal she's such a talent um and then me just so I can play with these players I think we'll just go all attack I'd say Kim Little I was going to go for Jo Love there because I think she brings a bit something different in terms of like defensive midfielder. But we're not bothered about that.
1: We're going to go with Kim Little. That, that's a world beaten 5 five-a-sight team and other people's choices in the past have chosen to go any man's save or any player save and not have a goalkeeper. <laughs> so at least you've got a very reliable goalkeeper in Lee Alexander for your team there. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Grant Scott is going to be the new interim boss of your club what was your initial reaction to the news
0: yeah well um obviously first and foremost um with scott leaving uh, i had scott for six years and i you know he was a great coach and a great person um he did a lot for me on and off the pitch and um yeah that was that's a loss for a club but that's football and scott's got other ambitions and we all understand that but i think in terms of Grant coming in as an interim, it's just a, a great fit for the club, I feel. It's somebody we've always respected every time we played Hibbs when he was the manager. Um, and he's, he's a great guy as well. So, yeah, I think it'll be a really good fit for the club and Grant.
2: Yeah, and what do you think of the the fact that it's an interim role that he's coming in? Do you think that maybe will give you a bit of a period to, to plan exactly who uh, who the club want moving forward, rather than maybe rushing in making a wrong appointment?
0: Yeah, um, I think the club obviously has ideas. Um, having that interim manager just now does give the club time. And I think by getting Grant in, I think it's somebody that knows the league well, knows the players, knows the club. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's it's a good fit.
1: Am I right in saying that he was with the club for a short period of time as assistant to Scott Booth? Last yeah, season?
0: it wasn't in... Um, We didn't get to work with him as much as maybe he had hoped. Um, But yeah, just like the sessions that we had with him. Yeah, brilliant. Really looking forward to to getting going with him.
1: Kind of half answered my question about Scott Booth you joined the club just before he did so he must have won six or seven titles alongside Scott and now obviously he's went to Birmingham what is your fond memories of Scott and his time as manager of Glasgow City
0: just probably everything we achieved together I think when he came into the job obviously it was a club that was winning things and that's that's always tough um, as well when you need to keep winning things but I think he just it was quite seamless and yeah it was just a great six years I think I think he helped improve us as a team and took us forward as a club but yeah just we achieved so much together with the league and the Champions League the Cups and yeah I look back at it really fondly the last six years
2: I can imagine it's been a really successful time looking forward to, to this season then how's pre-season been going so far Are you hoping for a kind of less stop-start campaign than, than we had last year because in the end it kind of seemed to to drag on for a long time
0: yeah and um, well obviously so before we even went back to training last year we had trained individually for like what felt like an eternity and then you were coming back and you had to hit the ground running because the games were starting so by the end I think there was a few broken bodies but we've had a good break now and yeah we're just back into the swing of it it's like we've never been away and
1: yeah just working really hard it must have been weird, like, going back to that, like, enforced stoppage when it was quite a strict lockdown and everything. Was it hard to kind of keep into, like, a strict routine when you're not seeing, like, your teammates all the time and not together as one?
0: Yeah, we tried to check in with each other as much as possible uh, with Zooms and things like that. But, I mean, it's not the same as, like, that physical contact of being at training and the small conversations that you can have face to face. But we all... Credit to the girls everyone came back flying really and we all had that motivation to to do that because we didn't really obviously know when football would be back but uh, yeah credit to the girls everyone came back absolutely flying it it worked out all right for us it feels like pre-season feels like it lasts for so long but then all of a sudden the games are starting like Wednesday Sunday Wednesday again so yeah back into it.
2: And also, you mentioned the the Champions League qualifiers. There uh, is that something that uh, around the squad. There's already a bit of a, a buzz uh, leading up to it. it's an exciting time of the season.
0: Yeah, we absolutely love playing Champions League, and I think it does give you that real focus. Um, for training in pre-season as well but I absolutely love Champions League. I think it's an exciting draw for us as well with the teams we have and obviously it's a new format now so it gets trickier each year to try and compete with these top teams but yeah we're all really looking forward to it.
1: Maybe Hayley you'll shed some light on it better than us but how does this new format work in the Champions League?
0: Don't ask me honestly. So we have to play this qualifying round and then the winner of that goes into a home and away tie and then you're through to the group stages. That's how I think it goes. I asked Laura Montgomery this and she tells me, but I still can't take it
1: in. Last season you fell at the round of 32 to Sparta Prague. Do you feel like setbacks like that gives you determination to come back better and get further in the competition this season?
0: Yeah, the games against Sparta Prague was a big disappointment for us because we didn't play well And yeah, that was a big disappointment for us. But yeah, like I've played in a few campaigns where we've maybe been put out in the last 32 or the last 16, but I've also played and got to the quarterfinals. So yeah, I'm as motivated as ever and know that all the girls are as well.
1: Now we'll go on to the big talking point. Last season, winning the title, yet another title for Glasgow City. Everyone, when I say everyone, not everyone, but many people wrote them off, especially after that defeat to Rangers in December. And the focus was very much on the investment. You, I feel, went on about your business very quietly, but effectively to win the title. Just how significant was that title to you?
0: Yeah, it was massive because I think everyone writes Glasgow City off every year. Um, But obviously, last year, there there was massive investment, which... I think it's great for the women's and girls' game in Scotland um, that girls can have that opportunity now to play professional domestically. But um, yeah, like I think people think that other teams are investing and improving, and Glasgow City are just standing still. But that's definitely not the case. The club's always trying to move forward themselves. And um, I think last year we just had such a like a core group of players that had been there for a long time, and and the players that came in just really bought into the process and the club, and yeah, everything just seemed to align perfectly after that, the winter break, and yeah, it, it was just a great finish to the season.
1: Definitely, when you're doing it with a goal and an assist on title day, you can't get better than that, can you? As we said, it was a tougher season
2: in some ways than when you had before. You think that was the, the kind of toughest title challenge that you've had uh, in your time at Glasgow City?
0: Yeah because well there was obviously a, a Rangers and Celtic that it all kind of came really close. I think there, there's been times where like Hibs have ran us to pretty much the last game as well when they had like such a fantastic team and when it was like Lizzie and Lucy and Joel, Abby Harrison, Kirsty Smith and that. So I think it has it has been close in other years but I think because there was three teams that were kind of still in the race towards the end of this season I think yeah it did make it a bit more exciting.
1: Glasgow City because they're just a club that pioneers for women's and girls football and associated to a men's team do you feel that that was kind of why you get written off because people are more likely to gravitate towards Rangers Celtic because of the men's team link?
0: Yeah maybe um I think when a team's won the league for 14 years I think everyone's just waiting on that team not doing it and I think um when there was a bit investment from Celtic and Rangers then I think that created a bit of a buzz and people just got on board with that but yeah like you said before we just went about our business quietly I'd say and and concentrated on us and yeah worked out well for us.
2: Again, kind of, we've been talking about the top of the league there. Do you think it's good that there's a bit more kind of competition throughout the league now, with other sides starting to invest a bit more heavily? Obviously, we're seeing Spartans go semi-pro this year and the promoted sides, uh, Aberdeen and Hamilton, kind of suggesting that they're going to start investing a wee bit more as well. That can only be good for the, the Scottish game, I assume.
0: Absolutely. Um, obviously, I'm a Glasgow City player, and first and foremost, I want us to be the best team. But I think as a whole, and for the domestic game and the national team, I think you need to look at the bigger picture. And I think clubs are starting to do that that. that now and with their investments increasing sort of resources to the women's team I think you look at Hearts the appointment they've made I think um, with their new manager I think it's an exciting time and yeah for the greater good of of Scottish women's football I think um, we need to keep pushing these standards across the board and I think um, clubs are starting to realise that they should do that now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because from all the teams that managers and players have spoken to, you can just feel that buzz that might have not been there before around the women's game in Scotland. And it's a shame because we haven't had fans being able to get into the games. But us, who are working in the media as such, and we can just sense that it's growing and only got to get bigger, especially as the league expands to a 10-team league for next season. And that can only be beneficial. But... For you, you've been at the club since 2014. You have a contract until 2023. Can this club, despite everyone else, as you say, you have to focus on Glasgow City. Can this club continue to win trophies and dominate women's and girls' football in Scotland?
0: That's our aim and that's our goal. Um, we, we are very respectful of other teams and other players in the league. We do work very hard. That's what I'm trying to say, um, to do that. And yeah, I think our goal is to keep winning things and hopefully we can do that this
2: season. I think as well, like it, it's been shown this year with the, as you say, Celtic and Rangers both kind of invested heavily, brought in a lot of signings. But again, so, so did you. You brought in, you know, kind of Odefula Tadillo, Pesila Chinchilla. Uh, Janine Van Wyke was fantastic this season. What sort of impact does that make, you know, in the squad? Because you had a lot of coming and going over the past over the past season, basically. What what impact does that have on the squad and kind of managing to keep that winning culture going?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we still had that core group of players that have been there over the years and I think that gave us some stability. And then the players we brought in were just brilliant, footballers, but at the same time bought into the club, bought into what we were trying to do, what we wanted to achieve. And yeah, like I said before, it just it
1: just all tied in
0: perfectly and the people that came in, the players, just yeah, helped us along the way and it was just brilliant.
1: I was gonna say this, they must have Glasgow City, they must have very good scouts because to pick out Costa Rican international, like Priscilla Chinchia, Odifo Tudelo, players like Peter mentioned, like from the moment of watching these players, you could just tell that these players used class. And I guess that chance first have set the bar high for any future signings in this close season.
0: Yeah, the the, the girls that came in, credit to the club because they definitely improved our team and, and helped us on our way to winning that title. Um, I think if you look at players like um, Priscilla, She's a talent and um, a real credit that the club has her. Um, but yeah, credit to everyone that brought in these players because, like I said, it it did really spur us on and help the club along.
2: So what was it kind of, again, Also, like I mentioned, the winning culture. What was it like in that dressing Room at the moment to be a, a side that has such success year after year? It, it must just be a, a fantastic atmosphere, I would imagine.
0: I mean, it is just how it always is. We get on, but we push each other along. We demand a lot of each other. We have high standards on and off the pitch. Um, just a Glasgow City ethos, really. But yeah, it's a great club to be part of. Um, great people and I, I really enjoy it, yeah.
1: I just wanted to know this. This is a question I'll spring upon you. Say you're winning all these titles back to back and you're celebrating in the dressing room. Who's the one that's the heart and soul of like the party wanting to get the tunes and everything on in that dressing room?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think.
1: Because everyone every team's always got someone who's like the Joker.
0: I know, we've we've actually got quite a mellow team just now, I'd say. Everyone's quite chilled. Um Lauren Davidson, she's in charge of the music just now, so we're all quite enjoying her music. Yeah. I would say Lauren. She she's always in and about it.
1: And what's her music of choice?
0: She's usually got a bit of G B X on, some dance tunes. It's quite it's quite a mix, but yeah, everyone's enjoying it so far, so she's not been kicked off the speaker yet. Good <laughs> <I>
1: stuff. <guess laughs> brilliant and you speak about a mix and you mentioned this kind of earlier about having experienced players and promising talent but overall with Glasgow City this season and I've said it all along especially the second half of the season a key factor to the success was having such a big squad of quality players with competition all over the pitch not saying you wouldn't work hard in training but does that always give you that extra 10% to do so?
0: Yeah um, I think I mean, every team I've played at has always had competition. I think you look at the national team as well. It's healthy. And last year, we certainly had that. We had a great depth in our squad. You know, we had maybe like two players for each position. So you did have to turn up in training and you had to turn up in games. And that was the way it was. But it was healthy. And I think we all spurred each other on. Uh,
2: Again, talking about kind of this off-season uh, this summer break your kind of long-time club and country teammate Leanne Crichton is now off to, to Motherwell to be a player coach alongside uh, their new boss Paul Brownley. what do you think of that move for her is it something that, that kind of you're all excited for her
0: yeah definitely excited for her um I think Leanne's been a great servant to Glasgow City I hope she comes back one day in some capacity but um I think it's just dead exciting for her really obviously she's got that opportunity to go and play but also um, coach alongside Paul and I think um, that's one of the main factors she's to go and learn from somebody with Paul's experience but yeah we're all delighted for Leanne, we'll miss her but obviously can fully understand.
1: I was going to say that someone of her experience, is is that a big loss in the dressing room? Obviously you're losing, I know Janine Van Wyke wasn't there as long as not much as a stalwart as Leanne Crichton but even her going back to her homeland, losing that experienced players but as you say, you've still got that mix for next season of players that can step up to that positions, have you?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think although we've lost experience and that's a loss for us, I think it's another year where players have gained experience as well. So I think you look at somebody like Jenna Clark, who's been with us for I don't even know how many years now, maybe like five years and how she's grown into being a Glasgow City player and becoming a leader within our team. I think, yeah, we, we lose players and it's a loss, but at the same time, we're we're still developing.
2: And obviously, uh, there was a lot made last season of some of the Glasgow City players moving to to Rangers at the start of the year, uh, and obviously they made quite a big impact on Rangers' title push. Uh, I know again she wasn't there for that long, but uh, Taylor Toland obviously played for played for you last season. She's now finding find herself at Celtic, so that'll be another another interesting one uh, going up against former teammates in the kind of title push next season.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just football, isn't it? I think players have moved on and gone on to other clubs. Um, yeah, they're all great girls, still speak to them. And I think Tyler uh, going to Celtic is a great move for her. So yeah, it'll be another exciting
1: year. I don't know how to put this, but without like bad mouthing any like teammates you might have played with or anything, but like, did, did you understand the logic in all these players moving to Rangers or was it kind of a bit of an ouch moment to the squad?
0: Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I think at the end of the day, you respect people's choices and... Football is a short career, isn't it? So, um, yeah,
1: uh, the girls made choices. That's a very good point. But now, on a different note, we're going to move on to your international career. You've racked up over 100 caps. You're in that 100 club for Scotland. First of all, that must be something you're really proud of.
0: No, I'm massively proud of it. Um, Obviously, you don't sit and count how many games you've played. And when you first start out, it's just, you know, like to even get that number one cap, it was just, meant everything after so much hard work. And, but to do it 100 times, yeah, it really means the world to me. Something I'm very proud of.
2: It'll seem a, a-, a while ago now with the 100 in between time. But uh, you made your debut for the senior squads in the Cyprus Women's Cup in 2010. What are your, your memories of that first camp and kind of coming into the squads and into the team?
0: Um, I can't really remember I remember just getting the email quite out the blue with my name on it so I didn't I, I didn't really have a heads up or anything that um I, w- I was going to be selected but I think the Cyprus Cup was perfect because obviously you, you play like four games and it's the squad kind of gets rotated so but I didn't go with like obviously I wanted to play and I was desperate to play but I didn't have I didn't think I maybe would but um yeah to get my debut there was just brilliant there was Julie Fleet and still playing and Gemma Faye it was just yeah it was just fantastic and as a young girl just growing up that's just that was my goal to to play for the national team and to finally do it it was just such a good feeling.
1: Did you look up to people like Julie Fleeting then like obviously Scotland's all-time record goalscorer and everything only more recently we're getting like such things as like a highlights show and games being televised before was it people like Julie Fleeting see for national team and think I want to be like them performing at the highest level?
0: Yeah to be honest I was talking about this the other day like the only sort of women's football I saw on the telly was the FA Cup final I think and um but Julie always seemed to be playing in that with Arsenal so she was kind of like a name I always knew when I was growing up and yeah to, to play uh, with, with her in the national team I also then got to play with her with Glasgow site as well it was just brilliant.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I feel like it's great that like, someone like hers now getting to do that punch as well. Obviously, Leanne mentioned her as well. Between what she's doing with coaching, she's also going into that media career. And now it's giving women's footballers that opportunity to have that showcase as well, is it?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think it's perfect. I think they're absolutely brilliant at what they do as well. I think, you know, Leanne puts a lot of work into doing the media stuff. It's not by chance that she's really good at it. Um, And I think... The more visible sort of women, female role models we can get out there, I think, it's just beneficial to women's and girls' football.
2: Yeah, I think that we could kind of see the the results of that with the Jamaica game at Hamden, kind of before the, before the World Cup, uh, where we had around 20,000 people uh, in attendance. How how significant is that um, kind of for the players and then for the the growth of the game in general?
0: No, it was massive. Um, yeah, just to walk out at Hamden and have that many people there supporting you it's quite emotional I'd say because you know there has been times in your career when you've played in front of like 10 people do you know what I mean in all seriousness but to walk out at the national stadium in front of all those people it was just such an experience and then to go on to the world cup after that obviously with the pandemic it kind of maybe slowed the sort of the trajectory of where women's football could have maybe gone after the world cup but Hopefully, we can kind of build back up some good coverage and things like that, and we can get maybe some record crowds again.
1: Yeah, totally, Hayley. I can echo that completely because the previous record, obviously, just around 4,000 for the World Cup qualifier against Switzerland at Simmern Park the previous year. So to get five times that amount is just absolutely fabulous. And you touch on the World Cup 2019. Well, Euros in 2017 was the first time a Scotland women's national side had qualified for a major tournament. That must have been a great experience. I was at that opening group game against England in Utrecht four years ago today of the recording. What was the group like back then in that first campaign qualifying for a major tournament under Anna Singwell?
0: It was just amazing to even like for us to get there because I think obviously we were part of the team that did that but there were so many years of hard work and players that sacrificed so much and and it sort of like drove the game forward so for us to kind of reap the rewards of all everyone's graft basically it meant a lot to the group and um yeah to get to the Euros it was just so special um obviously it was close for us getting out the group in the end but um yeah that England game maybe didn't go to plan but yeah, again, like just to walk out and be part of a major tournament with Scotland, um, it was just so special.
1: Yeah, for sure, Hayley. And that, that's what I was thinking. Even me being in the Netherlands for that and seeing so many Tartan Army went over and in the afternoon, the pipes playing and everything in that buzz. That was the first time I really, as a young person, had really realised how big and could see this is massive that the women's side have qualified for the major tournament something up until this year or last year that the men's team had never done so for you to be part of that side must have just been absolute fantastic
0: yeah it was it was so special and like you're saying the tartan army travel there were so many fans like my family just had like the best time just over there just yeah all the fan zones things like that i think um everyone just had such a good time and it was just a real sort of watershed moment for, for Scottish
1: women's football. you speak about just how great that experience was being with the side in that 2017 Euros? That was under Anna Singwell, then under Shelley Kerr, a new manager, qualifying for the World Cup 2019. Obviously, first memory we discussed already was that send-off before the tournament against Jamaica. World Cup, that must be every kid's dream to be a part of.
0: yeah. To be selected to play for Scotland at a World Cup, I think, um, yeah, just means the world really. And um, to do it with a group of players that we that we have, I think a lot of us have grown up together, played seventeens, under nineteens, and then managed to do that with the with the national team. Um, we had we've got such like a close knit group, um, and to and to do that with those girls was just really special.
1: Yeah, that must make it so much easier when you feel like the people you're playing with at club level and international level, you've known them all these years, you built that up that repertoire and relationship with them. It feels like you're doing your job, but you're playing with friends at the end of the day as well. That must be even better, especially at World Cup, the pinnacle of a footballer's career as such, is it?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And like I said, like like I said, like I, I, the majority of the team I played under-19s with, um, and yeah that national team's been together like the same group of girls basically for maybe like 10 years and you do a lot of growing up in that space of time but to experience that with friends as well as teammates um, yeah it's just something that I'll never forget.
2: Yeah and again I know you kind of mentioned it. We touch earlier but that that 100th cap coming in the World Cup finals that must have been something absolutely unbelievable.
0: Yeah it was to be honest and I think at the time, you know, you, like you try not, obviously it was my 100th cap, but you don't want to build it up for that because at the end of the day, it's a game, you're just playing a game for your team in the World Cup. So like first and foremost, team over everything. But after the game, I think, uh, and especially after the tournament, it just kind of like, when it sank in, I was just like, yeah, some, just really proud and something that my family are all proud of as well. And to achieve it at a World Cup was, yeah, incredible.
1: This is something I wondered. As a player, you say it didn't really sink in until you got back. Did you see all the media coverage like from back home? like How big? Because I that was the first time I'd really seen like every media outlet was really mentioning the World Cup and Scotland's progress. And the fact that so many people were talking about the final outcome of what happened really just showed that people were actually finally wanting and believing in the national women's side.
0: No, definitely. I think after we qualified for the World Cup, we, sang, we kind of saw that the, the media coverage like getting bigger and bigger, especially sort of, at the press conferences and stuff like that. There was a lot of uh, like media outlets there that maybe weren't there before previously. But yeah, during the World Cup, I think we definitely felt really well supported by everyone. And um, yeah, the coverage was very good. It was just a shame how it ended in that Argentina game.
1: I don't like to bring that game up as such, but how do you as a player get over such a big like that when you have a game in your hands like I don't want to go relive the game as such but just how how did you personally because I've asked Leanne and other players I've been around this setup how they felt about it and just interestingly yeah, get your take like
0: the emotion of it all it was just so draining like obviously we were we were cruising at one point it was 3-0 and the girls were playing amazing and then obviously even with the penalty Lee had saved it so you've got the elation of that moment to then have that taken away from you again so it was just such a like an up and down and yeah just because you genuinely care about everyone in that team as well, you want everybody to do well, play well, and and for us collectively as a group not to to get through that challenge. I think it hurt. It really hurt for quite a while, and um, emotionally, it's it's it was quite a come down to be honest after that World Cup. Um, and then you've obviously got to try and pick yourself up again for club football when you maybe don't even really want to see a football. But um, yeah, that was really tough to take.
1: But Haley, do you just feel that like it is just typical? Scotland that the first time they are trialling VAR in a major tournament and Scotland are on the end of it like I just remember sitting at home with, in disbelief at that and I just can't imagine you as a player being in France and among that side like it would take a bit of time to get back into really wanting to see football again yeah
0: it was just a lot of the circumstances around that game with the VAR the added on time the penalty it was just yeah it was just a lot to take in at one time and yeah we couldn't really understand a lot of things that happened that night with the referee and stuff like that but that's football and that's why everyone loves football there's always talking points and there's always opinions and then uh, yeah you just you you just have to learn to to cope with these setbacks
2: yeah of course it it sounds like a, a pretty rough, rough day all around from kind of the, the various accounts we've heard from it so we'll, we'll move on to, to slightly kind of ha- happier things uh and just obviously, you've you've played at a high level at international football and at club level. How does competing at international tournaments for your country kind of compare to a big Champions League night with Glasgow City?
0: Um, I mean I would say the pinnacle of everyone's career would be international. Like that's what you dream of as a young kid representing your national team, but I mean, I absolutely love Glasgow City. They're my team, and to play in these big games for the club, it means it means a lot. And um, yeah, especially like when we look back at like playing PSG in the quarterfinals or that Brawny night when we, we got through and things like that. Like they're really high up on on my proudest moments in football. And yeah,
1: they're quite comparable, I'd say. What I love about the uh, women's national side, and I've said this to both Leanne and many other guests we've had we've represented the national side all, all the girls seem to love belting out the anthem before the game like the men coming to something scrutiny of that but do you mind are you belting it out no matter if the cameras are on you
0: <laughs> absolutely you just need to sing it don't you and especially when you've got like the good crowd like that night at hand and everyone's singing it it's it's emotional
1: yeah i absolutely love it yeah, I'm just a fan and I get emotional just being in um, a football stadium when like the anthems and all that's playing. So I can't imagine standing there in full, full dark blue strip, knowing that I'm representing Scotland at the Euros or the World Cup. Like it's a privilege to speak to a player that's represented. It's lived our dreams, put it that way. Oh, you're too
0: kind, honestly.
2: Personally, as, as Rob was saying, as a fan, like I don't think I'd managed to to kind of keep a straight face and not show like the emotion because it's... I mean it just seems like such an amazing life-changing experience uh, to be able to be there like at a tournament like that I, I'm just impressed that everybody manages to kind of keep it together before you know also you've got a big massive game to play
0: I know I've never really thought about it like that to be honest but yeah I just remember like that England game at the World Cup and walking out and the Scotland fans were there and I've never had goosebumps like that in my life and just hearing everyone singing the anthem, like, that's probably as close as I've came to crying, to be honest. It was just, yeah,
1: fine you' Speaking about memorable experiences, the Jamaica game, we spoke about Euros, spoke about the World Cup, we spoke about your first cap, your hundredth cap. Are there any other memorable experiences that stick out playing in the dark blue of Scotland? Maybe like a first goal or anything?
0: Yeah, my first goal, I think, or one I scored a goal against Brazil, in (gasps) in Brazil, in Brazil. So that, yeah, I'm quite chuffed with myself about that. So, but yeah, my first goal as well, I think that I scored in the same Cyprus Cup tournament as I made my debut. I think it was the game after I scored my first goal and I was on a really good ratio for a while. Honestly, I'd scored like eight goals in like 20 games or something. And then... Wow, that's impressive. I got punted to left back and then it, there was a wee drought but yeah there, there's no better feeling than scoring a goal for Scotland.
1: Yeah that's amazing just to represent Scotland but to even score a goal it's fantastic. It must be disappointing to miss out on being in that international camps because you probably get a taste for it but obviously it has been great seeing likes of Crystal Grimshaw and Leah Eddy make their debuts. Is it just a case for you to like work hard and still make yourself known to whoever is going to be a future manager of Scotland?
0: No, absolutely. Like I've, I've always wanted to be part of the national team. I think I've still got something to give. Obviously, there, there's going to be a future without sort of older players and um, younger. It's great to have younger players in and involved because I was once that younger player that came in and learned so much from um, the older players. But yeah, I still have ambitions to, to play for Scotland and that's obviously down to me and doing well for Glasgow City first and for, foremost.
2: A lot of the kind of uh, excitement at the moment is the build-up to the, the Olympics and also the Team GB squads uh, be, being announced. Kim Little and Caroline Weir are both are both in the squads. Were you a little surprised that there weren't more squads involved?
0: I mean, yeah. I think we've got such a good group of players that they could have chose from. But then you look at how it's a squad of 18 and that's a that's a really small pool of players when you look at the size of Great Britain. But um, yeah, yeah.
1: Julie Fleeting famously ruled out playing at the Olympics in 2012 when she was at Arsenal. She didn't want that stumbling block to affect her Scotland career, basically. But whereas Kim Little, her teammate, said, it's the biggest sporting event ever. And if you got the opportunity, she'd grab it with both hands. Would the Olympics have been something you'd have liked to have done in your career? Obviously, you've had the World Cup and the Euros. But as a footballer, you obviously strive for more and more, do you? No, I
0: definitely am. I mean, I've never had the opportunity, so... I've never really given a thought, to be honest.
1: That That's everything from you, Haley. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and finding out a bit more about your career and your thoughts on everything women's football. So thank you very much for joining us on this edition and also all the best for the season ahead. I'm sure you'll get that 15 in a row title that you're looking for. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks for having me. Right.
2: Thank you. Best, best luck for the season.
1: Well, that's the end of this edition of the Anyone's Game podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Hayley and we welcome any feedback here on the Anyone's Game podcast. So let us know and also remember to subscribe because we're going to be back bigger, better than ever for the new season. So tune in then for more podcasts, previews, articles and more.